I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Hey, Madigan. How are you doing today? Actually, pretty well. Feeling pretty good. good. Feeling pretty balanced. I've been feeling unusually, like, anxious in a way that I can't put my finger on. Because usually Uh when I feel anxious... I know why I'm feeling anxious. Right. And lately, I, I don't understand because I have been feeling very centered. Um, but every now and again, I get like a jump in my chest that I recognize as anxiety. And um, I don't know why exactly. But I've just been, you know, listening to a lot of mindfulness podcasts, just trying to bring awareness to that anxiety and let yeah. it pass. Drinking it's a lot so- of our friends' Swallows Flight tea. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. I mean, Keegan, that is my constant struggle with my anxiety is that because it's chronic, like it just I don't need a reason. And that's my biggest thing with kind of introducing new people into my life, especially with like romantic partners where like I can have a panic attack sometimes out of seemingly nowhere and I cannot give you a reason. But maybe there's something that I've been suppressing that I just haven't noticed because I haven't taken the time. You know, there's so many reasons where we're not always aware of why we feel the way that we feel. We just have to 
acknowledge the feeling and let it pass. I had a horrible panic attack. I think it was before the last time we recorded. And I called my mom and that was just, she's done the same thing with me ever since I was a little kid. And just reminded me to just accept the feeling, ride the wave, know it's going to end. And just like remembering that and just accepting your feelings is such a helpful thing when it's so easy to want to pinpoint why. Right. I think you just, you you bring attention and awareness to the fact that this is a thing that's happening in your body. You allow yourself to feel the thing that's happening in your body and then it will pass, you know, more often than not. It will pass. Yes, exactly. That is exactly right. Look at you, Miss Keegan. I've got to say, I love hearing that you're doing so well. I'm glad that you've been doing all of that. Thank you. Me too. I know. I feel like both of us for the past like four months, every single time we get on here, we're like, ugh. I all feel right. like garbage. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, exactly. Totally. I mean, and look, I still have moments. I still, I watched uh, a video. We're not talking about this today, I don't think, but I watched a now this video where they were talking about three officers in Aurora, Colorado, who were fired for going to Elijah McLean's, um, the area where he died, and basically taking pictures, mocking his death. Yeah. And I watched that and um, I cried. So, I mean, I did cry today. (laughs) Yeah. It's not all like rainbows and sunshine, but it is just kind of bringing attention to the fact that like, it's okay yeah. to not feel okay all the time. But that's then it's okay. also okay to let that feeling pass and feel okay through it. Because I think that's the other thing with everything going on is like almost feeling like you shouldn't be okay because everything in the world right now is so horrible. You know what I mean? Like I think there is that weird right. feeling I, within I think us you, too. You do need to feel the sadness and you do need to feel the anger, but you need to use those emotions uh, to motivate you to do something about it. Yeah. But you will be useless if you just sit in a place of like sadness, anger, and depression all the time. Like you can't exactly. function that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, is it okay with you, Keegan, if I start us off? Because totally. I want to talk about something that was very, very upsetting to me and I really don't feel like it's gotten enough uh, media attention. I don't think I've seen much of this on social media at all. Maybe you have, and I'm just not following people who I, are aware of this. I know what you're going to talk about, and I have seen um, a lot of people sharing these, particularly to their Instagram stories, sharing this um Do you know what I'm going to talk about? I assume I do. Is it something that you've been posting about on your Instagram today? Not, not really. Oh, well, then maybe not. Oh, My bad. okay. Sorry. No, it's all good. I think I know what you're talking about. But no, I wanted to talk about this. Is some, I wrote these notes yesterday or two days ago. I can't remember. But over the 4th of July weekend, I just wanted to uh, recognize the lives that were lost. At least six children were killed by gun violence across the United States over the holiday weekend, ranging between the ages of six and 14. And I, you know... It's very, very sad, and there's lots of details in all of these, and I took very copious notes. I don't think we need to get into all of it because it's all very sad. It's involving deaths of young black children, and it's very depressing, but I wanted to honor them and also honor some of the other people right off the bat that we lost this week. Um, So the first young child that we lost was Sicoria Turner. She was eight years old and she's from Atlanta. She was sitting in a car with her mom and another adult when it happened. 
uh, Roita DeMarco Giles. He was eight years old. He's from Hoover, Alabama, and he was killed on Friday, July 3rd. David McNeil, he was 11. He was visiting family in Southeast Washington. Um, he's actually interesting. His grandfather is John Ayala, who was who founded the DC chapter of the Guardian Angels and has been fighting gun violence for many years. So I think that's kind of an interesting tie-in with his story. So hopefully through this, there can be um, some change in his area. It's, it's really appalling how much of this racial violence, um, racist violence, actually to mm-hmm. use appropriate language, has happened in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I feel like so many people have this, so many people in the United States have this mentality that the Pacific Northwest is this kind of like bastion of progressive thought. Um, right. Because we're, we have shows like Portlandia and things that really make it seem like Washington and Oregon in particular are like very liberal places. But right. really we're talking about Portland and Seattle are very liberal places. And then outside of that, you know, there's a lot of militia groups, a lot of white supremacist groups, yeah. um, more so than many other states in the country. Oh, yes. And I mean, there's Atlanta, Alabama, and Southeast Washington so far. Um Another young girl, Natalia Wallace, she was seven years old. She was in Chicago. Uh, There's an unnamed six-year-old in San Francisco as well. So I wanted to honor them by saying their names because the fact, like, I just, this seemed very bizarre to me. Like, this almost made my, like, we were just talking about conspiracy theories before this, Keegan and I, to our listeners, But when I heard about this, I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is a lot of children. Like, am I, is this happening all the time and I just don't know about it? This is a lot of young black children killed by gun violence in one weekend. You're speaking to someone who has a tendency to be pretty skeptical uh, and sometimes cynical, something I'm working on. But I have a tendency to think that this is something that probably does happen all the time and isn't getting the attention that it deserves all of the time and that it's getting the attention now because of the Black Lives Matter movement. But with that said, I don't really know any of the details about these cases. Like, do they know who the perpetrators are? Or Yes, with most of them they do. So with the first young girl, Sicoria Turner, she was in a car with her mom and another adult when they heard gunshots and they pulled into a parking lot where it had been barricaded. So they were stuck in the parking lot, essentially. Um, was it race motivated or, uh, or do we well, know? I, be- I believe, I believe it to be with okay. the, with the barricades. I, I don't have that written here, so I don't want to say for sure. Um, but an interesting fact about this case as well is that where she was killed was literally two doors down from where Rayshard Brooks was killed earlier this year. Wow. Literally two doors down. So to me, I don't have written here this was a racially motivated crime, but in my head that makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I definitely think we've been talking about the culture war on this show for years now. Yeah. uh, And the divide that now exists um, between left and right in this country. And that divide is deepening. And we have a president who is actively stoking the flames of that divide and that amount of tension. And you have people who genuinely, like there was a story 
during um, in the midst of whenever the protests and things were at their peak in rural Washington, who basically followed this interracial family, biracial family, like into the woods. They were just trying to go camping and like huge, a huge group of white people who lived in the town basically followed them and terrorized them until they left. They like dropped a tree in front of their car so they couldn't go anywhere, like terrified them. And they had children with them. Oh, and, God, I thought you were talking about the almost lynching that I watched. Oh, this week. no, but that's another thing that happened. But it's it's coming out of this whenever they were kind of like asked why they did this thing, all these white people were saying, well, we were scared. Antifa was coming in. We thought they were Antifa operatives. Like these people truly, they truly believe like we are headed. it, It feels very much. Here's where my conspiracy theory brain comes out. It feels very much like we could very potentially very easily fall into another civil war. Um, just based on the amount of division that exists. So it wouldn't surprise me if the murder that you're talking about was race related. And I mean, honestly, all of these to me seem to have some undertones to it. Uh, Natalia Wallace, she was seven years old that I mentioned. She was just playing in her front yard with some neighbor friends and you know, three suspects just got out of their car and just started firing shots into the yard. Wait, it does seem targeted. It seems, again, like it seems like you have these people who, for whatever reason, they've got this like fear or whatever, and they just go out and shoot the first black person they see or black child they see. Right. And I feel like, especially because of what's going on right now, like as much as I feel that we've been called to action, I feel like the other side has been called to action just as much. Yes, exactly. And... So I feel like that's the first, as soon as I see that a black person has been murdered, the first thing that I am going to think of is a white man doing it or a white woman doing it because of how this has been going. And it's becoming, I feel like more and more frequent. And again, I don't know this because it's just becoming more like publicized and it's in the media more, or if it's always been this bad, I don't know. But to me, it feels like as much as we are gearing up to fight the other side is too. Oh, a hundred percent. And I don't, I, I know that we have other things to talk about, but I did want to, before I got off of Facebook, I, um, so there's this store in Branson, Missouri. So I'm from Springfield. Branson is about a 30 minute drive away. There's this store in Branson. It's been there for years and years. It's called Dixie Outfitters. Uh, it basically sells everything inside is Confederate flag stuff. It's Confederate flag bikinis, Confederate flag flags, like towels, everything that you could want with a Confederate flag on it. They sell there. And the oh that, boy. that store came under fire uh, during the recent protests. Mm-hmm. And the owners of Dixie Outfitters do have ties to the KKK. Uh, of course. The husband of the owner tried to adopt a highway in the name of the KKK, years and years ago she said when she was interviewed she said yeah I used to go to KKK meetings but I don't anymore and that doesn't have anything to do with the confederate flag being yes, a symbol of hate yes it does motherfucker yes I just and so, I don't it's like it's it's history it's history it's ugly disgusting history it's not history that we need to be celebrating right well and, and you know I could we could talk for a long time about the confederate flag having grown up in a place where I heard that heritage not hate thing um, often but 
so the store finally caved basically they didn't shut down i'm sure they're selling the same shit on the inside but they changed the name of the store to believe in america and took down the confederate flags that were outside of the store people lost their minds madigan i saved screenshots for just future reference of people they are calling they, they are basically so scared that their way of life is changing that they are on social media saying the we have to start arming ourselves. We have to start protecting ourselves by force. I'm not kidding. So like when I say that, like there could be another civil war, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or scare anybody, but I am saying that like people on the other side really are feeling this way. It's not, it's, it might be misguided and it might seem irrational and crazy to us, but it makes sense to them and they will fight us to to keep their perceived rights. Yeah. Like they will literally physically fight us. Well, I mean, they've already started. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just yeah. going to get worse and worse. Like I, I just feel like what, what you're saying just, I feel like that's the logical next step. Yeah. You know, yeah. we become more and more separate within the last, you know, three and a half years. We're becoming well, and more we, and more separate during this pandemic. Who is openly becoming more and more, of a white supremacist out just straight out in the open. I mean, like right. last week he tweeted something that said white power in it. Like he yes, is he did. openly white supremacist at this point. And um, that is only going to keep his base riled up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So scary, scary stuff. <sighs> Keegan, do you have anything else for us? I do. I do. So there were two major Supreme Court decisions on religious rights this week. Um, Actually, both of them came down today, Wednesday, when we're recording this. So you guys will be hearing this on Friday. But both of them are pretty shitty. So the first of them is that the Supreme Court um, upheld Trump's the Trump administration's regulation letting employers opt out of birth control coverage. So all of my info on both of these came from New York Times, which is where most of my news comes from now that I'm not on Facebook, I get emails from the New York Times. So um, the Supreme Court upheld a Trump administration regulation that lets employers with religious or moral objections limit women's access to birth control coverage under the Affordable Care Act. And this could result in as many as 126,000 women losing contraceptive coverage from their employers. And this was a seven to two decision. So there were only two Um, Supreme Court uh, justices who voted against this decision. And it's been kind of a thing that's gone back and forth, this like litigation over the contraception mandate, which was a signature initiative of the Obama administration that required that most employers provide cost-free coverage for contraception. And Trump has been seeking to limit the um, reach of this basically from day one, because as we know, he wants to dismantle he wants to one appease his base and two dismantle fucking everything that Obama put in place. So a lot of religious groups are praising this decision. So this guy, John Birch, who's a lawyer with Alliance Defending Freedom, which is fucking hilarious to me, Defending Freedom. Oh boy. He he said The government has no business forcing pro-life and religious organizations to provide drugs and devices that can destroy life. 
So let's break down this statement that he let's made. Let's break there's, it down. There's so much wrong with this statement. So first of all, saying that the government has no business forcing something is insane coming from this person when it's almost certain that if this man had his way, the government would be able to force women to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term. Oh, definitely. Uh, secondly, there are many reasons that women take birth control and other contraceptives. It is health care. It is not always um, to, av- to have pr- unprotected sex and to avoid getting pregnant. Yeah. Even if that was the only reason you're taking it, that shouldn't be an issue. But it's not the only reason that women take birth control. There are a number of reasons that women take birth control. And lastly, if conservatives wanted to cut down on the number of abortions, it would make sense to make contraception as easy and accessible as possible. This is a massive violation of church and state separation. Oh, most definitely. Your personal religious views should not be imposed on other people who do not subscribe to your beliefs. Exactly. Um, So uh, two members of the court's liberal wing. So as we know, there are people we think of as being conservative justices and people we think of as being liberal justices. Two members of the liberal side, Elena Kagan and Stephen G. Breyer, voted with the conservatives on this. And the only people in dissent were Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Sonia Sonia Sotomayor. Um, And Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually said, in accommodating claims of religious freedom, this court has taken a balanced approach, one that does not allow the religious beliefs of some to overwhelm the rights and interests of others who do not share those beliefs. Today, for the first time, the court casts totally aside countervailing rights and interests in its zeal to secure religious rights to the nth degree. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm angry, girl. Yeah. And I'm angry about it on many levels, most of which I just stated. But the violation of church and state here is scary. It's actually scary. It is. And the thing that's funny to me is that I don't know if you have any experience of this with your family, but like as soon as like politics comes up, or something, or if religion comes up, if it's anything different than the Catholicism that we all grew up with, mm-hmm. is immediately like either they mention separation of church and state, like we're not going to talk about that, mm-hmm. or it's that we don't we don't talk about religion or politics. Mm-hmm. Like I um, feel like that is so part of our culture to be like polite about not discussing religion and politics yet at the same time it's typically the people that are like the super hardcore like bible thumper religious people Mm -hmm. that are exactly what they preach against right it's bonkers to me they want separation of religion and government unless they're safe yes exactly exactly It, it would be it's it, it's supposed to just be understood that America is a Christian nation. And so when right. we say we want a separation of religion and government, we are excluding Christianity because America is, quote unquote, a Christian nation, which it isn't. You know, the founding fathers were not explicitly Christian uh, no. as a whole. So it it's kind of a maddening thing, but it is the world that we 
we find ourselves living in. And, right. you know, in addition to that ruling, the Supreme Court also ruled uh, that federal employment discrimination laws do not apply to teachers and church run schools whose duties include religious instruction. So in a seven to two ruling, the exact same votes, uh, the same people, Sotomayor and Ginsburg are the only two who dissented. This could affect more than 100,000 teachers at Catholic elementary and secondary schools and many other employees of religious groups. So this decision was a setback for LGBTQ workers who just weeks ago gained protections under the federal employment discrimination law. Yeah. While um, so this was from this was from James Essex, who's a lawyer with the American Civil Liberties Union, ACLU, he said in a statement, while the Supreme Court has made it clear that it is against the law to fire someone for being LGBTQ, today they made it easier for religiously affiliated employers to discriminate against LGBTQ people. So in it, you know, the cases that actually brought this to the Supreme Court did not have to do with LGBTQ rights, although obviously that's the obvious implication of this. Um, the cases were actually from uh, from a woman who found out she had breast cancer, Kristen Beale, and then it was discovered that her contract would not be renewed. She actually died last year. Uh, oh and my the gosh. Mm-hmm, and the other was a woman named Agnes Morrissey Barrow who sued for age discrimination because she was fired from her job at a religious institution and the schools when the teachers filed lawsuits the schools responded by invoking a thing called ministerial exception which to what I've read is basically saying that religious institutions have a right to fire a minister, priest, rabbi, et cetera, et cetera, um, people who teach religious teachings for whatever reason they so choose, which does make sense. However, the case today, and this is just my understanding, I could be getting this wrong, but this is what I understood. So the case today is basically saying that they're extending that ministerial exception to teachers at religious institutions. And Sotomayor is basically saying that she does not believe that they should have extended it that far. So she says um, the when it applies, the exception is extraordinarily potent. It gives the employer free reign to discriminate based on sex, race, pregnancy, age, disability, or other traits protected by law when selecting or firing their quote-unquote ministers, even when the discrimination is wholly unrelated to the employer's religious beliefs, and she believes that it should be limited to faith leaders, rabbis, priests, nuns, ministers, etc. Yeah, Um, not just, like, I don't understand why, I mean, I get why teachers go into that, but I feel like... I don't know. And and it's weird, you know, when you're talking about a lot of this stuff too, a lot of, you know, like religious schools and institutions where there would be, you know, religious teachers are private schools. So they can kind of run however they want to anyways. Cause like I went to private school for like eight years, nine years, something Mm -hmm. horrible, longer than I ever should have. But yeah, that was something that I understood is like they could just kind of set whatever they wanted to do. Like we had so many days off of school for religious holidays. I felt like I was barely going a full week of school ever. It was crazy. Yeah. I think that they, 
I think this came up because these people tried to sue. So the woman who had breast cancer, she tried to sue based on like the Americans with Disabilities Act. Yeah. Like saying, you can't fire me because I'm sick. Right. Um, that's discriminatory. And they came back basically being like, well, you're a religious teacher, so we can fire you whenever we want to. And right. so I, I think that they're just trying to prevent similar lawsuits from happening in the future. I guess even though they're a private institution, they were not exempt from those um, those restrictions and right. now they will be so yeah. they can it, but that's it's such a slippery slope because you're basically mm-hmm. saying we're giving you free reign to discriminate against anyone and you don't really have to give a reason you yeah just for be any like, you know reason what? I don't like that you're black so I'm gonna get rid of you I don't like that you're gay I don't like well, that you're honestly, pregnant like this everything you're saying just reminds me of growing up in Catholic school Like, I remember my mom, when I got my hair cut once, let me get this, like, red extension in my hair. I wasn't allowed to have that. I wasn't allowed to have, you know, I would have, like, chips of nail polish on from the weekend. You know, there's all these things where there aren't any real reasons for why you're not allowed to do certain things in life in general. And just what we're speaking of, especially with religion and talking about schools and these teachers, that is just kind of the way of life. Like, you don't really have to have a reason. I've told this story on the podcast many times with a kid who got his hair cut by a science teacher. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just no rules. They can do whatever they want to do. And that's the thing that's frightening to me as well is that you're not only giving, you know, the government and just regular jobs more opportunities to fire people for whatever reasons. But when you're giving people who are just genuinely hateful that opportunity to just pick and choose anything about you as a reason to fire you and not even have to give a reason, like that's just incredibly dangerous. You're inconvenient to them, right? Like right. if you if you have breast cancer that's obviously terminal um since she passed away from it if you have anything that is going if you're old which is the other one was an age discrimination suit um anything that makes it inconvenient to have you as a teacher right and they still have to pay you or yeah right yeah they can just say no we'd rather not yeah you know which is It's also, it reeks both this and the other ruling with birth control. It's just so controlling is really what it is. It's just this desire to control other people and to, you know, I don't know. It's it's very disheartening. And the fact that both of those things came down today, just like boom, boom, back to back. Yeah. it's a little scary, you know? Yeah. Well, I have one more thing that's in- incredibly important to me, so I want to discuss it really quick before we end our episode, and that is uh, the fact that Trump has decided that if classes are to be fully online in the fall for college students, that all international students will have to return to their home countries, I guess, if they are in that's the United States. That's what I States. thought you were going to talk about earlier. Yes. So... Um, and that's kind of why I was like, I think I know what you think I'm going to talk about. And yes, I'm going to talk about it. So there are over a million international students in the United States right now. And they are saying, so I got a call from my best friend, Ricky, and he was the one that first told me about this. And I was like, wait, what do you, what do you mean? What do you mean is going on? He's like, yeah, I might have to go home if my school decides to have online classes next semester. And the thing is, I can't even go back to my home country because the traveling ban 
there are travel restrictions. So this is the thing. While most people might be thinking, whatever, they'll have to go home, you know, I go home from college in the summer, whatever. But there's so many things that are affecting education and you don't understand why international students come to the United States, why they go to, you know, the UK. People are typically trying to find something different that's not working for them where they are. So by taking these people who have found their place and are getting the education that they want and that they deserve and to just that turn them away for. and I that they're that paying for kind of a, a big thing as well is that like just because they can go home and get their education online they doesn't mean that they should have to they're paying full tuition right. so they should be treated like any other student right but the thing but because it doesn't really tie in with you know, visas and immigration, like technically they're still going to the school. They're getting the same classes as everybody in the United States. But the thing is, is that there's not only travel restrictions, there are time differences. Like, can you imagine, like, I know, for example, like if I were in Ireland right now, it's eight hours later. If I were to have an 8 a.m. class or, you know what I mean? Like that would be ridiculous. Yeah, you're expecting me to get up in the middle of the night. Exactly. And have a class. And the other and then also like some people don't have stable Internet connection in their home countries. Uh, They might have an unstable learning environment. They might not be able to access educational resources. And also by forcing everybody to immediately leave the country, you are setting them up to get sick. You're setting everybody up to get sicker and sicker during this pandemic by making everybody leave at the same time. Well, here's the thing. Trump doesn't care about anybody else. We were just having this conversation, Anthony and I, yesterday, because Anthony works with a lot of LAUSD schools, uh, and Trump is talking about, despite the fact that every official is saying, hey, we cannot reopen elementary schools, middle schools, high schools right now, he is pushing to reopen it, Um for no other reason than he thinks it will make him look better in the eyes of his base and he wants to be reelected. He doesn't yeah. care if anybody dies. Yeah. He doesn't care what happens to anyone. He, yeah. he literally doesn't care about you. He doesn't I've, care about you. Yeah. I've got to say right now as, as a child care provider, if you have kids and if you feel uncomfortable throughout this summer about going back to school in the fall and things are opening... I would highly recommend looking into homeschooling for this year, honestly, because I was so disappointed in how LAUSD was setting up classes. I mean, my kiddo was only in second grade, but he only had an hour Zoom class three times a week. And then I was supposed to do the rest, where a lot of other high schools, they still went to their full classes they were going and doing all of their things and to me that's just not there so if you want a full curriculum I was homeschooled for half a year they give you everything and I was able to teach I was myself homeschooled a lot for several years so yeah yeah and it's just it doesn't make sense why would you be giving your child three hours a week with your teacher Honestly, if I was a mom right now, I would just be signing up for homeschooling automatically this year and just say, you know what? This year we're going to homeschool. Next year we're going to get back on track if things look better. And just cut out everything else because it's just not safe. And the other thing I was talking about the woman who cut my, uh, talking about this with the woman who cut my hair today, kids are not going to wear masks longer than like, 
five minutes. And they're not going to stay away from each other. Have you met a child? No, (laughs) they they do not know how to do it. Like, it's just you are asking for so many problems. And yes, they do say that kids are not as affected by the virus as adults. But we also don't know how this is expanding and growing. It could eventually affect more children. And And also it is is still affecting children in, in a shocking way one yeah. of trump's one of trump's uh, advisors coronavirus advisors uh, that woman who's the woman doctor whose name i can't remember right now right um burke maybe I but don't know. she was saying that it actually has had a surprising effect on people 18 to 35 in a way that she was not expecting that no one was expecting well can you um, remember our episode on the pandemic of 1918 yep where it was kind of that second wave where it was the younger people that were getting sick and the other thing I was gonna say is it's like you can't guarantee what's gonna happen next and even if you're like well kids will be okay well you're still gonna need staff of adults there they're gonna have to be watching over and the kids interacting with each other to their parents and their grandparents etc cetera, etc cetera. and also like you cannot control what everybody is doing and that is the scariest thing for me especially with still having to go into work every day I can't control how the family that I work for is taking this reopening. I can't control if they have people over. I can't control these things. And it's scary and it's hard. So why not just make it easiest on everybody and try to just just keep everybody safe, keep everybody home, even if you can't afford to do homeschooling and you're just doing the three hours of Zoom school a week. It's like, isn't it just worth our lives? Yeah, they don't care. Like that. that's the thing, you know. That's yeah. what it comes down to. That's the only conclusion that I can come to with with this coronavirus stuff is that people just don't care. Yeah. They just don't care. And well, you can tie that up and wrap it up however you want. And you can talk about your rights or you can talk about your freedoms or you can talk about the economy. But at the end of the day, the only thing I hear coming out of your mouth is that you do not care. That's it. Yeah. I mean, and I've even come up with like a script for myself when I feel uncomfortable defending why I'm wearing a mask or why I'm asking you to put a mask on. And I always talk about the fact that Max's mom is immunocompromised to think that maybe that would stir something in them to make them want to put a mask on it doesn't but they know those things they don't care they don't don't care. care they know those things and it again it comes down to this is the thing that has become very disheartening for me is that I don't feel like you should have to, I, I understand that because I do the same thing where I try and personalize things because I feel like it's the way that is going to penetrate people. But you shouldn't have to personalize something for somebody to give a shit. Like even if it's someone you don't know, even if it's the teller at the, at the bank or the person working at the grocery store, why do you have to know them for you to care whether or not they die or their grandma dies? Like right. it's it, it shouldn't, we as a human race, should care more about each other just period yeah (laughs) like I don't understand so many things I always think about that tweet that tweet will go down in infamy that happened in like 2016 or I would think it was the headline of a of a article that was just like I don't know how to explain to you how to care about other people I literally was just about to see that say that because I've been seeing that everywhere yeah it was an article from 2019 and it's going to be something that is basically for this whole decade is going to be the catchphrase is just like i don't know how to explain to you how why you should care about other people i don't know because that's something you can't explain that's the thing is like and that's if you cannot get someone to emotionally attach 
there are no, there's no logic to make people care about someone else. That's why there are sociopaths and psychopaths in the world. No logic can make somebody care. And that's what's frustrating. We can say, wear your masks and be safe and social distance, quarantine yourself when you can, all of these kinds of things. Yet they just don't we're, we're too individualist. We care too much about ourselves. And that's really what it comes down to. Until we get on, on a level where we care about everybody, it, it's not going to change, unfortunately. Exactly. Oh, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode. We've gotten so many great uh, news ideas coming in from you guys lately. Uh, it's a lot and I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. But if you have more, uh, go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. We've gotten a lot of recommendations for stuff on Instagram. You can follow us at angry neighborhood feminist and direct message us there with your ideas. We have a Twitter at Yamp podcast. Y a N F podcast let's see we ah, ah we have a facebook as well we have a business and group page you can rate and review us on the business page and you can chat with our fellow listeners on the group page and you can also rate and review us on apple Podcasts, and we will feature you on our instagram for reviews day tuesday also if you don't already go ahead and listen to us on radio public it's a free way for you to listen and it helps us out just a little bit oh and hey matt again hi happy birthday Oh my god, hi, thank you. <laughs> Madigan's I mean, birthday will have happened yesterday by the time this episode comes out. Yes, tomorrow and today's time. And Keegan has been kind enough to very last minute change my schedule or her schedule around for us recording for me. So thank you again for doing that. No problem. Um, my birthday celebrations are starting when I get off this. So awesome. I'm excited. Yep. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. With all of that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.